How did a Christian television series become the largest crowdfunded media project of all time? Find out on today's episode of A View from the Wall. Join I Am A Watchman Ministries Managing Editor Joe Kerr with co-host Dylan Burroughs, bringing you a fascinating discussion regarding the importance of Bible prophecy and Christian living today as it relates to our responsibility as believers to be watchmen. This is A View From The Wall. Welcome to A View From The Wall. I'm Dylan Burroughs along with co-host Joseph Kerr, who serves as editing manager of I Am A Watchman Ministries. But let me begin with a question today. Do you ever wish you could find better content to watch on television? As the father of three kids, I often find myself searching for something worthy to watch together as a family. Well, today we're talking with one man who's answered this call. Dallas Jenkins is a film producer and son of Left Behind co-author Jerry Jenkins. He's worked with Universal, Lionsgate, Pure Flix, the Hallmark Channel, and Amazon, and more. And he's the producer behind a video series you may have heard of on the life of Christ called The Chosen. It's now in season two, and it's an honor to have you here with us today. Dallas, welcome to A View from the Wall. Appreciate you having me on. It's good to be here, guys. Yes, well, wonderful to have you here with us. And we've had you on here once before, back at the beginning of the year, and we were talking about how The Chosen has become one of the most popular broadcasts regarding the life of Christ and the best media-funded, or I guess crowd-funded, show of all time. But for those few listeners who haven't heard of The Chosen yet, take a moment just to introduce the big story of the program before we dive in. Yeah, it's funny. You, I, I have to give you guys a little credit. You were in on The Chosen before it was cool. Um, earlier in, in the year, um, we were we were still kind of um, I, I don't want to say crawling on glass, but we were working hard just to kind of get get noticed because we were doing all this outside the system. And then when the pandemic hit, uh, I'm sad to say, kind of because it's kind of bittersweet, but that's when the show really exploded. I think people finally had time to watch it. But taking back to to the beginning, um, you know, I did a short film for my church's Christmas Eve service back in 2017 when I was coming off of a significant career failure. And I wasn't even sure if I was even going to do movies in my future. I just didn't know if I, if I, if that, if that was where God wanted me. Mm. And uh, so when I did this short film about the birth of Christ for my church, very long story short, it ended up getting in the hands of a streaming service called VidAngel. They heard my idea for a multi-season show about the life of Christ where that gave us the time and the opportunity to dig deeper into the stories of the Gospels than just a typical movie can do. Um, something you could binge watch uh, and get to know the characters and go from season to season. And uh, so they loved that idea, and that short film ended up being the catalyst to raise crowdfunding, and we ended up shattering the all-time crowdfunding record and raising over $10 million um, from over 19,000 people around the world for this show idea. And then uh, season one came out last year. And, uh, you know, I think it, the first piece came out in the Easter uh, timeline and the second came out around Thanksgiving, I believe. And uh, it's just been an incredible ride since then. It's only just grown exponentially. So, like I said, when the pandemic hit, that's when I think people really were, they were home and looking for things to watch. And that's when they were more willing, I think, to discover us. Because, again, we're not on t- traditional broadcast. We're not on Netflix. Um, we're, we're, we're doing this outside the system. So, um, so it became a little easier for people to find once they were really looking for it. Okay, for those listeners who are familiar with the program then and have been following this series like we have at our house, are there characters that are going to be introduced this year? And what can we expect from the characters that we already know and love? 
Yeah. So we're right now we're in the middle of season two. So we, we, I'm, I'm actually talking to you from my home in the Chicago area. I'm recently back from Utah where we shot six weeks of footage for season two. And, uh, actually, as I speak to you, I, I got back in from Texas yesterday where we were scouting all of our locations for the second half of season two that we're filming. So I'm going to go back in January. So to answer your question about the characters, yes. Uh, at the end of season one, um, if you haven't seen it yet, I don't think this is a significant spoiler, but the, at, at the end of season one, Jesus is has called seven of his disciples, and his ministry is just now starting to go public. He has revealed that he's the Messiah to the woman at the well, um, and she's now spreading the word, and so things are about to get real. And uh, so seven, season two is the building of the team, adding more members to the team, uh, seeing the inter, interpersonal conflicts or or victories that come from the fame increasing. Uh, with, with the fame of Jesus, uh, there's good and bad news. The good news is more people are coming to get healed, redeemed, uh, saved, but there's also more enemies coming. And so how that starts to influence the group, how that starts to influence the ministry is the thrust of season two. Well, this is wonderful. And I think it's powerful for people to understand some of the stories behind the characters as you portray them. There's a very human side to the followers of Jesus that is shown in this series that is not often seen in the biblical versions of films and television series. And for example, my wife had highlighted this to me that there's this viral video that you have about Matthew and what his life is like. And then someone who watched it, who was a cello player, a young woman. And I want you to tell that story a little bit for our listeners if you would. Yeah, so each of the main characters, I would say our main characters in season one were Mary Magdalene, Matthew, Simon Peter, uh, Nicodemus, in addition to, of course, Jesus. And the goal with that is for the audience. We, we believe that if you can see Jesus through the eyes of those who actually met him, you can be changed and impacted in the same way. And yes. what we really try to do is we try to show you the before. That's what my wife calls it, uh, the before. This is what you don't often see in the Gospels, is who these people were before they met Jesus. So with Mary Magdalene, we know that she was demon-possessed. Well, we explore what that would have been like. So to use your example, Matthew is a tax collector, and in the Gospels, we know that Jesus walks by his booth, calls him to follow him, and Matthew leaves everything and follows him. And that's that's all we know. But by knowing the history of of the first century, uh, you know, Galilee and knowing, um, Jewish history, we can make a lot of educated, I want to, I don't want to say guesses, but we can make, we can really understand what Matthew's life would have been like before he met Jesus. Tax collectors were hated by the Jews for being betrayers to their people and working for the Romans and disrespected by the Romans for being Jewish. So a man like Matthew, we can really draw out what his issues might have been also knowing that he was a numbers guy, a facts guy, because, you know, the first chapter of his book is nothing but a, a genealogy right. split into three equally divided groups of 14. So with my experience with the autism and Asperger's uh, world, my daughter's autistic. I just I have a little bit of Asperger's myself. I know it very well. We thought Matthew started to sound like he might have been on the Asperger spectrum. So that's how we we uh, portrayed him. And this uh, young woman, uh, teenager who's got Asperger's, like literally tens of thousands of people we've heard from, parents and children alike, who truly were able to identify with seeing a follower of Christ that they've never seen before. They've never been able to identify with someone on on screen in a biblical project before. So she was so moved by it and believed that, look, if 
if I can identify with Matthew's issues, then I can identify with Matthew's solutions and answers, which is, of course, Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that you're, you're, you, you suddenly no longer have Asperger's or autism, but it means that Jesus found Matthew, saw his strengths, and wanted to use them for better works. And so that resonated with his teenager so much, and she just reached out to us with a letter and uh, said she'd lo- she's also a musician, she'd love to contribute. So um, we ended up bringing her out to Nashville while we were composing and producing the score for the show, and I uh, had her play the cello in a key moment uh, in uh, episode seven, just to contribute to that scene. And so we did a video about it, which you can find on our YouTube channel. But the reason my answer is so long to your question is that it's not just about that one girl, it's about the fact that there are literally millions of people around the world right now who are identifying with these people who specifically met and knew Jesus when he was on this earth. And they're seeing, wow, we're actually quite similar. You know, their, their problems are mine, their issues are mine. And then again, like I said, their solutions can be mine. Well, Dallas, this is such powerful information and we're gonna take a quick break, but we'll be right back with more here on A View From The Wall. Stick with us. From I Am A Watchman Ministries, here's today's I Am A Watchman Minute. The year was 1266. Kublai Khan, leader of the Mongol Empire, the largest empire in the world, sent a request asking Europe to send a hundred Christian missionaries. For several years, Marco Polo had spoken to the Khan of Christ, and now he wanted his people to hear. The request was received, but only two missionaries said they would go, and one died before reaching the Mongol territory. This effectively closed the door for missionary work in the region for hundreds of years. Theologians consider the sending of only two missionaries one of the greatest missed evangelistic opportunities of all time. Question, when God calls out, whom will go, whom will I send, will you be quick to say, here am I, send me. Be bold, be faithful, be a watchman. Iamawatchman.com Throw me like a stone in the water, watch the mud rise up. Dress me like a lamb for the slaughter, pour me in your cup. Should've known we'd bring trouble, trouble gonna find you here. Welcome back to A View From The Wall. As we continue our discussion with Dallas Jenkins regarding the hit series, The Chosen, we want to discuss some of the key themes in the story of season two. There are a couple of major themes in the first season that get used to different uh, was one of them. And the last episode that ended with the song and the warning about trouble. Uh, So those give some examples from the first season. Dallas, take a moment to tell us some of the key themes that you address in season two of The Chosen. Yeah, I love that you brought up Get Used to Different and Trouble. Um, Those are both things that I think give flavor to the show. Um, Instead of just a typical, just kind of reenactment of what the the gospel verses were, um, we're we're trying to give some more depth, more personality, not more depth than the gospels, of course, you can't do that, but uh, more depth to the storytelling. And um, so in season two, uh, you know, we don't go into the season, we don't go into the writing looking for catchphrases. We're not thinking, you know, what's going to look good on a t-shirt or what's going to really impact people. We're really just trying to follow God's leading and tell these stories in the best way that we can. But as always, there's certain things start to emerge. So for example, in season two, we get introduced to Philip and Nathaniel. And uh, in the Gospel of John, it talks about how, uh, just in a couple verses, 
that Philip, who was following Jesus, went to his best friend, Nathaniel, and said, you've got to, you've got to meet this guy. And Nathaniel was skeptical. But there's three words that Philip said to Nathaniel that I think um, really are starting to, to be one of the key themes of season two. And he says, come and see. And those three words, if you think about it, the, the entire mission of the Christian church could be to say those words repeatedly, come and see. Um, yes. it's, it doesn't get much more profound than that, you know? Um, so that, that was a key theme. Um, there's also, I, I know that, um, when, when we have a, a healing, a really key moment from the gospels that I won't give away, but, a a big miracle happens where Jesus heals somebody and Simon Peter goes up to this person and says a few things, but the final thing he says to the person is everything changes now. Um, you know, that this is after he said things like your, your old life is, is, is no longer relevant and then he says, everything changes now. Th- that was a theme, I think, a little bit of episode one, but episode, or, or sorry, season one, but season two really digs into that. You know, like we've, we, Jesus has called some disciples, you know, now we see what it looks like when everything changes. One thing you've done, Dallas, that I really love and watch the snippets when you interact with those people is you've gathered a panel of advisors around you that interact with you and the other writers and some of the actors as well. Talk about how that relationship developed and how they've influenced the direction of the series. Yeah, so we have a Messianic Jewish rabbi, a Catholic priest, and an evangelical scholar who are all um, involved in, like they're consultants for us. So they don't, they don't write, they don't they don't speak into uh, our writing before we do it, but we show them the scripts. And I'm an evangelical, um, I, and I, I'm, I'm not a Catholic. I'm not a you know, Latter-day Saint. I'm not any of the other uh, faith traditions. I am an evangelical, so I, and I make that very clear to our, to our audience. This is coming from an evangelical perspective. However, I want to know, A, what different perspectives have to say about it, just because it's, A, it's interesting to me, and I think it's interesting for our audience. So we, we film these roundtable discussions with our consultants where I ask them questions about what they think of the episodes and and how they fit into the lens that they see uh, the Gospels through and and, and where, where we differ. And we talk about those things, and it's just been really fascinating. But I also want to know, are there any red flags that I'm not seeing that aren't important? So, meaning... Um, you know, so there are some things that I've done, some choices that I've made where certain faith traditions aren't happy with it. And I'm okay with that. Um, you know, I'm like, well, this is what the show is. This is the angle we're taking and we just disagree. And that's going to have to be okay. Um, such as, for example, just to use a quick example, the, the, the perpetual virginity of Mary or the sinlessness of Mary. I, I don't, um, Jesus's mother, I, I, I don't agree with that. And so we're not going to portray Mary as, as perfect. Um, and so that, that's, that's a, that's a, a hill I'm willing to die on. But if there's occasionally certain things from these Bible scholars who say, well, look, this, this piece of this piece that you're portraying, you're, you're getting it mostly right, but there's a piece that could upset uh, evangelicals or it could upset Catholics or it could ex- upset Messi- uh, Messianic Jews, or it's just simply wrong. You know, it's just simply inaccurate. I want to know. I want to know what those red flags are, and I want to get, right. get ahead of that as soon as possible so that we're not unnecessarily offending people. I don't mind offending people when it's important or when it's, you know, for the right reasons, but I don't want to unnecessarily distract people from the stories by getting something wrong that could easily be corrected. Sure. And one thing I really appreciate about The Chosen is that it's not exclusively focused on the 12 disciples. And by that, I mean, there are many women who follow Jesus as well. And we don't often hear about them as much in traditional Christian films about the life of Christ. But you emphasize that quite a bit. Talk a little bit about some of the women who are featured in The Chosen series. 
Yeah, this is really interesting because um, we didn't set out to say, you know, I I don't think we, we set out with any kind of agenda. Like we're like, well, we need to feature women. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it happened as a, as a, as a, just a natural outpouring of wanting to be authentic. I mean, Jesus had um, a group of women who followed him who were called disciples. I mean, they weren't the core 12. They weren't the 12 apostles yes. um, that Jesus specifically identified as leaders. But there was a group of women that that specifically were mentioned, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, who was uh, who came from uh, Herod's court, uh, who uh, we introduce in future seasons. Um, his mother, Mary, uh, uh, John and James's mother, so, uh, Salome, was uh, she, she's, she doesn't become one of his followers in season one, but um, the, he, Jesus had a very unique relationship with women, and, and it's very interesting to point out, for example, that what which was what we do in season one, that women were often chosen for key moments of his ministry. Um, it, it's almost as though he like, it's like he trusted them more with some of these key moments. I, you know, I, like for example, the, the first person he revealed himself as the Messiah to was the woman at the well. Um, previously he had kind of kept it under wraps. He was doing some healings. He was spreading the word a little bit, but he would oftentimes say, don't tell anyone just yet. And then she's kind of the first public evangelist for him being the Messiah. And of course, we all know who was the first evangelist for him being risen from the dead. Um, it was Mary Magdalene who 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 got to, who was there first and got to tell all the boys. Um, so <laughs> when when you see that Jesus broke from tradition in many ways, like for example, his meeting with the woman at the well, which was just the two of them, and it was in a public place, and men and women never you know were were alone um, in, in back in those times, unless they were married. So uh, allowing the woman to, to wash his feet, there were lots of key moments in the Gospels that we tend to overlook, and uh, we just really w- thought it was interesting storytelling and also authentic to show the disruption that Jesus really made in this time. And one of the biggest disruptions was his uh, treatment of women. And so that became, for a show that's about disruption, for a show that's about get used to different, that's one of our key taglines, uh, showing how, how much he... Uh, loved and honored and valued women uniquely from how the culture treated them, I thought was a great, great uh, thing to spotlight. Well, that was very well said. And we want to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to talk about how you could take the Chosen series and use it to help your family and friends during the Christmas season as we come back here on A View from the Wall. Stick with us. The rapture can happen at any time. You may be ready, but are your friends and family spiritually prepared for the coming of the Lord? What will happen to those left behind? We've created a new resource to help you help them. It's called the Rapture Kit. Included in the Rapture Kit is a Bible and vital information on what the Rapture is and how to prepare for what's to come. The Rapture Kit also includes eight books on prophecy, apologetics, the Christian walk, and being a watchman for the Lord plus a number of video and audio teachings, all preloaded on an eight gigabyte flash drive. Become more strategic and active in your witnessing. Warn the lost about the coming rapture and help individuals in the post-rapture world be drawn to Christ, equipping them to become the next generation of ministry leaders. Learn more and order at rapturekit.org.
Welcome back to A View from the Wall. In our final segment today with the chosen producer, Dallas Jenkins, we want to talk about some of the ways the series is changing lives today and how people can use this in their own lives. I know this has been such a powerful tool in sharing faith and encouraging and strengthening Christians. And this all began with the Christmas short film you produced for your own church, as you mentioned. You've done other Christian films as well. How is this different from uh, the stuff you may have done in the past? And where can people go and see it? We really want to get down to the applications of how do you get the chosen on your platform? Where do you go to watch it? How do you share it with a friend? Kind of lead that discussion for us. I think the answer is monumentally different <laughs> in every mm -hmm. conceivable way, mostly because I'm a different human being. Um, after my last film, The Resurrection of Gavin Stone, a film I'm very proud of and I and uh, and and I and I and I still uh, love, um, it failed at the box office. There's no two ways about it, and uh, that changed me. Um, I was I was uh, led by God um, through my wife and through a, a friend that I barely know. Uh, who who both felt led by God to tell me that it's not my job to feed the 5,000, it's only to provide the loaves and fish. And so uh, I have become a different human being in that all I want to do is be in God's will for that specific day. I don't plan as much ahead as I used to. I'm just like, give, God, give me where you want to be, and I want to make sure that whatever fish and loaves I provide are as good and healthy that, as they can be, so that if you choose to multiply them, then... Uh, then that's up to you. But my my job is done and just providing the best uh, the best loaves and fish I can. Which leads me to to your second question, which is how do people see it? That's what's so fascinating about this is how much of the show has exploded completely outside the system. So if you have not seen The Chosen yet, um, and you think, well, if it's not on Netflix or if it's not on my TV network, then I don't know how to watch it. I promise you, it's very simple. On your phone, just go to the apps where wherever you get your apps, whether it's you know the App Store or Google Play. And you look up The Chosen, we're easy to find. You download it to your phone. And if you think, I don't want to watch a show on my phone, well, that's that's good. Neither do I. But here's what VidAngel did. They invented technology that allows your app to connect directly to your streaming device. So if you have Roku, Apple TV, Fire Stick, Chromecast, it will connect directly to those with no subscription needed, no payment. Earlier this year, when the pandemic hit, we decided to make the show completely free in every country in the world, all eight episodes, no delays, no restrictions, no subscription, no money or anything, and it quadrupled our income immediately. That's how God's impossible math works. We thought it was going to cost us. We thought we would only do it for a few weeks. But what ended up happening was when people watch it, we say to them, look, you can watch it for free, no questions asked, no obligations, but if you love this, and if you want us to be able to continue to give this for free around the world, because it costs money, as you guys know, streaming costs money. And if you want us to do future episodes and seasons, well, we're going to obviously need financing to do that. You can pay it forward. So we give people this option in the app or at, you know, at, at our website to go ahead and pay it forward. And people have been doing that to the, so that season two, uh, a $10 million budget was financed from people paying it forward. And season three is being financed from that and people buying DVDs and buying, you know, so by the way, if you're a DVD person on the app or at, uh, you know, our, our website, which you guys can link to if you want, um, uh, people can buy DVDs, they can buy our devotional books, all designed to take you deeper into the gospel stories and deeper into the, to the, to the people that we're portraying. Um, but God has just, I think uh, we, we've made this deal. It's like, all right, we're going to make it free. And God's like, you make it free and I'll make sure you can keep going. And uh, and and for some impossible reason, uh, that has it worked out beautifully. It has worked fantastically. And I just love the way you describe the program. And I can certainly attest personally how it's impacted our family and extended family, kids and 
parents, grandparents. It's been amazing. Um, we have many listeners, Dallas, who are watchmen and watchwomen. They interpret today's headlines in light of Bible prophecy. Your dad, Jerry Jenkins, wrote the best-selling series Left Behind on that subject. Uh, what message for our watchmen and women, what will they find in the chosen that will help them as they watch and warn and witness and seek to finish well in these difficult last days? You know, when you watch this show, it's designed primarily to introduce you or revive you in your love of Jesus. I mean, period. I, I love to use the the illustration of what Ananias did with, with Saul. When Saul was blinded by seeing, you know, the, this vision on the road to Damascus. And Ananias removed the scales from his eyes. And I believe that all of us, in many ways, have scales on our eyes, whether it's because we're non-believers or whether we are, or maybe we're believers, but we we don't have as vibrant of a relationship with Christ as we should, or we don't know him as well as we should. And I believe that, that my goal with this show is to remove the scales from our eyes so that we can see Jesus more clearly. And isn't it interesting that that the word watch is referring to what we see, what we look at. And uh, being a watchman, I think, means uh, first seeing Jesus more clearly so that we can help others see Jesus more clearly. And so, I, you know, uh, the best way to be a watchman is to have good good eyesight. Um, and I don't mean that literally, of course. I mean that spiritually because there are many, of course, brothers and sisters who can't see visually but who see spiritually. And uh, so I'm hopeful that through this show, if you haven't seen it, you become you see Jesus more clearly. But what we see happening from literally millions of people around the world is that it makes them evangelists. I've never seen, other than maybe Left Behind, a response from people who want to share it so passionately. And so I think that's what you can do with this show is you can continue to share it and tell people this will make you more passionate about Jesus. And we've seen it um, happen over and over again. Well, we want to encourage you to go find out more about it in the links below where you listen to this program. You can find out how to get to The Chosen, to go to the App Store to get that for you, and you can share that with others as well. And Dallas, we thank you so much for being with us here today. And to all of our listeners, we do want to thank you for sharing your time with us as well. This is the battle that we are facing to get the message of Jesus out to as many people as possible and in as many places as possible. So join us at IamAWatchman.com. You can stream this episode again, share it with others, and see all of our programs and join us next time here on a view from the wall a view from the wall in association with i am a watchman ministries exists to equip a worldwide audience with biblical truth sharing it with others and being prepared for christ's imminent return the team seeks to encourage inspire and equip watchmen for such a time as this for information about the ministry and upcoming events visit iamawatchman.com a View from the Wall is made possible by the team of dedicated pastors, editors, and the many contributors of I Am A Watchman Ministries. To support our efforts, give online at IamAWatchman.com and click on the Donate button. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time on A View from the Wall. <laughs>